Hey friends, welcome to the Collide Midweek Podcast. These episodes are recorded every Wednesday night at our midweek gathering for those of you who may have missed it or just want to hear it again. We hope that the following episode encourages you to know, grow, and go in your faith. Um, so I want you guys to turn to your neighbor uh, and um, I want you to tell them you know, something that isn't your phone or your bed or your computer or your console. What is something that makes your room into your room? Epic. I like that one. All right. I hope that you guys got just a second to tell your neighbor exactly what. Attention! So, I hope that you guys had a moment to tell your friends exactly what makes your room into your room. And if it's in my life, um, I will let you know that I'm a big football card collector. Um, I really started recently. Um, and so, I brought with me my Josh Allen rookie card from 2018. Um, go Bills. Um, and so if you guys don't know who that is or don't care who that is, um, I'll explain it anyway. Um, it, he's a football quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I just love the way that he plays. I love the way that he is on and off the field. Um, I think that he's an amazing character. And, um, and so I, I brought that with, with me just to explain that. So these items that we all have, we, we kind of, we treasure them. We, we hold them close to ourselves and we would kind of hate if we lost it, right? So imagine that object that you have, and imagine if you lost it. How, how do you think that you would feel? Because if, if, if it was me, I would look everywhere for it. Is that I love this thing so much that it's like, I'm going to turn the house upside down to find this. But ultimately, what really matters about this object? You know, it's cardboard. There's probably like millions of them in the world, and I can easily replace it. But what's even worse is that as we're going to talk to, to you guys tonight, um, what if we lose our character? So um, our character, according to, um, according to Scripture, um, Christian character includes the pursuit of truth, godliness, righteous, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, perseverance, meekness, humility, self-control, passion, thankfulness, forgiveness, contentment, and unity. And God produces Christian character in the lives of his believers by faith in Christ, in the power of the Spirit, by the Word of God, and the sacraments. And the sacraments are just uh, baptism, Lord's Supper, prayer, Bible reading, communion, and church. Um, and so, suffering is also an essential part of the process towards the formation of Christian character. Our character is focused on what goes into the inside, what goes on inside of us. How do I act when the doors are closed? What do I do? What am I looking at? What am I filling myself up with? Is it the word of God or is it the things of this world? And what I'm doing, pleasing to God. Am I having unity with others? Am I having unity with Christ? Am I together with him? You know, so if I lost my Josh Allen card and because of it, I, I threw a temper tantrum. I got angry. And I, and I gave up all that God had been working in me, what good was it? See, in reality, this thing, this thing doesn't matter. Nothing about it matters. Is that if I give up my character in order to, to find that thing, then, nothing, then I would have counted it as, as loss. Is that 
if my character is broken, it's impossible, if not extremely difficult to fix it. And so when temptations come our way, then um, it, when, temptation, when temptations fall, come our way and we fall and we trip and we stumble, is that it hurts our character. And that is something that we can't lose, especially as Christians trying to preach to, to a broken world that Jesus is real, Jesus lived, he exists, he died for us. So if, if we give up our character, who's going to believe me? If, if I get angry and I say, you know, God is the, love, is, is the God of peace and patience and kindness and joy, and I'm getting angry over something stupid, what does that make me? What does that do to my character? So today, I'm going to make my goal completely clear. And this is the gospel focus. My goal is to show you how God uses trials and temptations in your life to accomplish his plans so you will trust him no matter what happens. Would you pray with me? God, you are good. And God, you are far too good to sinners like us. Lord, I thank you for this amazing opportunity. Lord, that you would, you would die on a cross for us. That you have come into this world and taken away our sins. And Lord, that no matter how bad of sinners that we are, no matter how far we've come, no matter how far we've gone, Lord, you are such a great Savior, and that you've already taken us. You've already taken it from us, and Lord, we are yours. Lord, I praise you. Lord, speak through me today that I might teach somebody through your word. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So, um, if you're looking into it, um, today we're going to be walking through Genesis 39, um, pretty much all of it. Um, and I'm going to try my best to, um, to cover the entirety of this chapter and then some. Um, because if you didn't know, uh, today is our last week of, of our series in Genesis in the beginning. And um, yeah, after this, there's, there's nothing else. And I know what you're thinking, Mikey, you're going through Genesis 39, not 50. There are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. And I promise I will get to that. It's just going to take a little bit of time. So if you guys want to open up with me to Genesis 39, um, we are continuing the talk about Joseph, as Joseph is, um, has now been betrayed by his brothers. He's been sold into slavery. And that's kind of where KB left y'all off. So in Genesis 39, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of, Egypt, of, the, of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight of, and attended him, and he made him an overseer over the house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him an overseer in the house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and, be, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. So Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites. Um, so a if, if, little bit of recap of Genesis is that um, Jacob couldn't, uh, it was Abraham couldn't have a, couldn't have a child with Sarah, his wife. So Sarah gave her servant to him, and they had Ishmael. And so Ishmael was the 
kind of half-brother of Isaac. And then Isaac had Jacob, and Ishmael had other descendants. So what I'm getting at is that these are basically Joseph's distant relatives in a way, is that it's not some sort of like family reunion, but the Ishmaelites were definitely kind of related to that side of the family. Um, so he's not, he's not there for a family reunion. He's just kind of there for the ride. Um, he can't really do anything. And so Potiphar, a high-ranking Egyptian, he was the captain of the guard. Um, he, he needed some help. So, so he buys, he buys uh, Joseph, and he's like, I, I'm going to put you over this. And so Joseph had a whole lot of success. And the next thing you know is that Potiphar's like, well, he's doing really well in this, so why don't we put him over more? And then he does well in more and more and more until he becomes head over everything in the house except for the food that Potiphar ate and over Potiphar's wife. So because of Joseph's faithfulness, because he was faithful, faithful to God, that he would deliver him from this situation, is that Joseph was very successful. Because of his faith is that Joseph was lifted up. And so um, through that, we can know that we can be faithful where we're placed. So this story kind of reminds me of a time when I was tempted. Um, I, I've always been kind of a, I've more, been more on the angry side. Um, so of course, when I'm, when I'm at early college, I had this teacher. Um, uh, he's no longer there, but um, he taught philosophy. And I absolutely love philosophy. It's a, it's a great thing to learn. It, it brings a whole lot of wisdom and knowledge. But little did I know that he was a massive atheist. And so every time he would get a chance through his message is that he would, he would kind of antagonize Christianity. And he would, he would kind of lash out and make up lies about it. And me being kind of angry, I, I didn't really like that. I thought, you know, this isn't, this isn't right. So, so I got really upset. And all this stuff kind of like got into my head. And I was, I was kind of distraught about this. Is that he tried to, he's trying to push me away and deceive me and, and tempt me away from this by putting doubts into my head. And so, you know, I, I kind of became a, little, became a little resentful to God. Like, God, you brought me into this school where I'm going to get a free college education. So why are you putting this into my path? If, you, if you're trying to be a good God, if you are a good God, why would you, why would you lead me into this temptation? And so I, I got angry. And because of it is that I fell short of what God had planned for me. You know, I felt that, um, I felt that I was blessed and, and it just led into temptation. But Joseph, even though he was, even though through temptation, he was still blessed. Is that Joseph was blessed through this, this hard situation. Is that Joseph kind of fulfills this idea of the Abrahamic covenant. And I know that is a big word, so I'm going to break this down for you. So God made a covenant with Abraham that he promised him three things. Land, descendants, and the blessing of being a blessing. And so that's exactly what Joseph exhibits, is that Joseph was a blessing to Potiphar's house because he was there. Is that Joseph worked hard in everything that he did, and because of it, he was a blessing to Potiphar in everything that he did. And he, and he becomes this because of his faithfulness. Read in verse 5, it says, From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So Joseph was faithful to God because 
And because of that, he made Joseph successful, which built Joseph's faith, which made him more successful. And over time, everything that he did succeeded. And Joseph continued to find favor in Potiphar's sight and obtain more. And Joseph became more blessed because of it. You know, I really like this quote from, from Josh Allen. It's, you grow where you're planted. It's that where you are is where you're going to grow. And so jo- Joseph definitely wants to go back home. He's in a land that he doesn't know, with people that he doesn't know. He's a slave to this man who could easily have him killed on sight with a language that he doesn't know. He, he, he might not even know what they're saying. So because of this, it's easy to just say, God, this is way too hard. God, I don't know what they're saying. I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do. God, you know, what are you doing through this? But instead, Joseph got, got to work. He said, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to continue on in faith for Christ. And Joseph, um, Joseph, def- <laughs> I'm getting mixed up. So Joseph, Joseph is, is completely faithful through all of this. Is that wherever he is, he grows where he's planted. Is that he's in a hard situation. Similar to, to that that we might be in today. Is that some of you are, are starting high school this semester. Some of you guys are going through different situations. You guys got a new job. Or you're in, a, you're in a, a new club at school, and you don't really know what's going on. And you're kind of confused, and you don't feel welcomed. And it feels kind of hard. But we can know that God has a plan for us. And because he's planted you there is that he has a plan for you. If Joseph was never thrown into this situation, if none of this had ever happened, he wouldn't be blessed the way that he is now. Is that God puts Joseph here for his good and for God's glory is that Potiphar notices is that something's different about this Joseph kid. He, he's, everything that he's doing is successful, and he kind of knows, it's like, there must be a God with him. And the Egyptians believed in maybe around 2,000, if not more, gods. And so he's like, there's some sort of God with him. And he noticed that. And because of that blessing, is that God works through Joseph for, their, for his good and for God's glory. So let me ask you this. So where has God placed you? Where has he put you in your life? Some of, these, some of these examples that I've given you is that new school, new place, new house, different situations that we're in. How has God blessed you there? How can he, how can he lead you to grow where you're planted? How can he teach you to be faithful where, you, where he's placed you? So continuing on through Genesis, um, we pick up in verse 7. Um, it says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he's put everything that he has in my charge, he is not greater in the house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except for you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her or lie beside her or to be with her. So now Joseph isn't your average guy. You know, it says that he was handsome in form and appearance. So, you know, he's kind of a strapping young man. He looks nice. And and so Potiphar's wife kind of takes a a liking to him. Um, However, you know, this isn't isn't a, a good 
a good story of, oh, Joseph finds love. It's that Joseph is trying to be tempted to, to fall short of this, of this standard that he's been placed to. And so Joseph refuses to lie with her, and he gives, gives this beautiful excuse of, it's that, you know, my master has given me all that he, all that he has except for you. How can I repay this blessing with an evil? How, how can I? And what I find really important is that he doesn't say, how can I do this, this great wickedness to Potiphar, which it was. It was a great wickedness to Potiphar. How can I do this wickedness to you, his wife, which it was a great wickedness to his wife? How can I do this great wickedness to me, because this would, this would hurt me in so many different ways? Instead of saying all that, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So Joseph knows his priorities. He puts his priorities in places that God has given me this. God has blessed me. God has put me here. And because of that, I am called out of this. And so he runs. Joseph is quick to recognize this sin. It started in, in, the, in the garden. Adam and Eve ate from the knowledge of good and evil. And therefore, we know what is good and what is evil and what God has called us to. And if we do not stick to this righteous standard that God has set us to, it hurts our character. It hurts who we are. So Joseph recognizes this and begins dodging Potiphar's wife over and over again. He refuses to listen to her. He, he doesn't want to be around her. He kind of distances himself. He doesn't want to, to fall to this temptation. So he runs from it. And so he's quick to run from this wickedness as soon as he experiences it. There are times in our lives when we are faced with wickedness and these evils that, that have, have been placed in, into our lives, these temptations that are trying to get us to, to, to pull us out from under God's grasp. And if we fall to them, it hurts us. And so Joseph cares about what God thinks of him. I, th I find that so important. Is that it's, it's not, man, I, I, I don't want other people to, to see me wrongly for, for, for sleeping with Potiphar's wife. I don't want people to, to accuse me of things um, that, that I've done. Instead, he, he, he runs from it. He doesn't want to, to hurt this image of God because God has blessed him, and if he falls short, what is, has what is that blessing amounted to? Is that he's repaid that blessing for wickedness. So, instead of, of replying with wickedness, Joseph replies with faithfulness. And even through that, temptation doesn't say, take no for an answer. Is that it clearly says that she came at, after him time and time again. Is that temptation isn't going to stop after you just say, you know, I read my Bible, I, re I read the Bible that night, and, and, and now God will take everything away from me. So sin is going to keep coming after you. We live in a dark and broken world. You know, there is no perfection around us except for the, except for the word of God and Jesus Christ who lived, died, and was buried. And after three days, he rose again. There is no perfection outside of that. Only God the Father and Jesus Christ himself are perfect. And so it will continue to chase after us until it has you dead. Sin is coming after us to kill us. And if we don't run to Christ, if we don't run from this temptation, is that it will persist in our lives forever until it has us dead. In Proverbs 1.10, it says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. We shouldn't consent to sin 
Instead, we should run from it. Sin will find you when you're alone, in the dark, when you least expect it. Sin is going to come for you. So when that, when that time comes, we should surround ourselves with others. And that's why we come to Collide. That's why we're here, to surround ourselves with other believers, to hear the teaching of the Word of God, to listen to worship, so that we can put in this Word of God constantly, consistently, over and over again, so that when sin comes, we're ready. So that we know when we are tempted and we are called to, to, to live in this, this righteous standard that Jesus has set for us, we're ready. Because the Word of God has a standard. And if we aren't listening to God's commands, that sin will eat you alive. Nothing, not a single thing, is worth staying in sin to keep. No relationship, no club, no benefit, no amount of money. Nothing is worth keeping yourself in sin. We are called to run from it. And continuing on, Genesis 39, 11. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men in the house were there in the house, She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her households and said to them, See, he has brought brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled to get out of the house. Then she, she laid his garment next, next to her until her master came. And she, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew ser- servant whom you have brought among us came, into, to, came to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treat, uh, treated me. His anger was, ki- was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, where the, pl- the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So, through this, Joseph wasn't guilty. Joseph had done nothing wrong. Joseph had clearly fled from the temptation. He had ran, leaving everything behind. He didn't even care about his clothes. He ran. He got out of there. So, even when we are even when we are punished, even when we are wrongly accused, we need to be faultless in adversity. Temptation is coming. And as a Christian, we need to handle it. And the way that we handle it is very important. So when faced with this teacher who, who, had, who had tempted me away from this, made me doubt who I was, made me doubt the, the word of God, made me doubt the, the inerrancy of, of, the, of the gospel. I was, I was angry. I didn't know what to do. I was lost. I was confused. So I turned to the one place where I know I could find answers. I began figuring, I had these questions, and I began figuring out what the Word of God said about it. Is that when I had these doubts, when I had these issues, I turned to the Word of God to find the answers So that the next time that he brought up something, I would write it down. I would write down my doubt. I would write down my my issue. And I would find it. I would find the answer. So that when adversity comes, we all run to something. We either run into sin, 
We either run from it to forget about it and escape it and let it simmer there forever and ever, or we can run to the Word of God. And I can promise you that one of those is going to give you answers and going to give you peace and give you joy. Is that the Word of God, the perfect Word of God, will lead you to Him. But if you run away or you run into sin, you're running from God. So, are you going to run into that sin? Are you going to run to escape it? Or will you turn to the one who holds all the answers and is the eternal comfort in our lives? Joseph was backed into a corner. He was alone in the house with her, no witness and no one to bail him out. And yet God was with him. That He ran from the house, leaving his clothes behind, leaving everything, knowing that keeping his coat is not worth the sin that it would cause him. And Joseph was faultless in the eyes of God. This, this story is just so impactful to know that, that through high school I was, I was tempted to sin a lot in more ways than just my anger, but through different, through different outlets is that I knew what God had called me to. I've been at this church since I was in the first grade, and before then I was, at, I was just at a different church. Is that I've always been in church throughout my entire life. I went through OBC Kids, I went through Switch, and I went through Collide. And I knew exactly what God had called me to. I knew who he wanted me to be. And so knowing that is that I still fell, fell to temptation, as we all do. We're all imperfect. We are all sinful. Not one is perfect but him. And through that is that we have this, this escape, is that we can know that temptation always has an escape. God always opens a door. Even when you think that you don't see it, even when you don't know another way out, is that God opens up a door, and he's going to show you the way out. If you run to his word, he will show you. A lot of the time, people will say, you know, God will never put on you more than you can handle. And I think that's such a lie. God will always put more things on you than you can handle because he wants you to turn to him for, his, for your strength. Is that when he's your strength, you can handle anything. Just as Joseph did in this hard Egyptian world where he, he could be killed at the, at the smallest mistake or thrown in prison as he was in a, in a place that was unfamiliar with a language that was unfamiliar to him. So Joseph knew where he found his strength. And that same God of Joseph and the same God of Jacob, and the same God of Isaac, and the same God of Abraham is with us today. He is here with us always. So never say that God won't put on me more than I can handle. We say that when God puts things on me, when God gives me things, that he expects me to handle it with him. Jesus tells us that take up my yoke, for it is light. God has called us to use his strength and to rely on him, no matter how hard it is. In Isaiah 41, 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you, and I will keep you with my righteous right hand. God has promised to protect us. So what do we have to fear? 
is that if we have God, the perfect God, who has dominion over everything, are we not to be without fear? Because we know who's going to help us. We know who's going to be there. Who am I to fear when I have the perfect God in my corner? And the second thing we can know is that God is in control of everything. God has dominion in this place. And he's, control, he's in, control, in control of everything. He's always working all things so that we don't have to fear. God knows no limit. And in all things are possible through him. All authority has been given to him, and he is over heaven and earth and even hell itself. God is working all things for our good. So we don't have to fear what comes next. When we're going to a new school, when we're in a new club, we found some new friends, when we, when we found a new job, that when we're struggling in school, we can trust that God is with us, and he has called us to work, work hard, just as Joseph did. If you're struggling at home, trust that God will give you peace and shelter and that he is the one perfect father. If you're struggling at your job, trust God that he is with you and he will give you the strength to persevere. No matter any mountaintop, any valley, it's that God is with us and that there is nowhere where we can hide from God's presence. So after fleeing, um, you know, sin still tried to remove Joseph from God's hand by taking him out of the house of luxury and placing him in prison for, some, for something he didn't do. Um, so as, as, we, as we wrap up here, um, I have to uh, give you guys the, the Micah synopsis of the entirety of Genesis 40 through 50. So um, this, is, this is basically the, the ending of the story of Joseph, um, and that's where Genesis 50 ends off. So so Joseph was thrown in prison for something that he didn't do, but because of his faith in God, he can, God continued to bless him through it. So he interpreted two men's dreams, um, and so one of them was the cupbearer, and the other one was the cook, and so one of them was, was uh, put back into place where he was, so the cupbearer was put back next to Pharaoh, and, and his cook was, was, not, uh, was not so lucky. And so through interpreting those dreams, Joseph just asks, Will you guys, when you, when you go back, will you remember me? And so one day, you know, they, he, he gets to go back, and all that Joseph had said came to pass, and the dreams were, were just as he said that they were. And so the cupbearer goes back, and he forgets all about Joseph. He, he, he forgets all about it. And so, you know, Potiphar, uh, Pharaoh one day has this strange dream. And he brings all the wise men, all the wisest people in the country, and he says, tell me what my dream means. And not one could, could correctly predict what his dream meant. And so the cupbearer said, well, I know this one guy back in prison um, where you put me. Uh, remember that? I'm not upset about it. Don't worry about it. Um, so he, he, he interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret yours. So Pharaoh sends for Joseph, and Joseph comes before the king, the, the pharaoh, the one over the entirety of the country of Egypt to interpret his dream. So he basically interprets that there's going to be a famine. And so all that, you know, there's going to be a, a, large, a, a large amount of time with abundance and lots of food, and there's going to be a great harvest, and everything's going to be great. 
until it's not. And then there's going to come a great famine. And it's going to sweep over all of the lands. So we need to stock up food now. And so Pharaoh's like, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So Joseph has been put all over all that, um, all that Pharaoh had. Um, I think this is, my, this is my big graph. Yeah, so that's Joseph's rise to power. So that's 40 and 41. So after that, um, there was a famine in the land. And so Joseph's brothers and his family was all wrapped up in that. So, so Jacob's like, all right, I need you guys to go to Egypt. I hear that they have food there. Go get some. And so they go all the way to Egypt, and they, they leave Benjamin behind with, his, with their father, and they say, we don't have any food. Can we get some food? And so Joseph, knowing who they are, them not knowing who Joseph is, it's like, yeah, I, I can sell you guys food. So he, he gives it to them. Um, and so they, they, they're on their merry way. And, and Joseph's like, um, is this all the brothers that you have? And they're like, no. Um, one is back with our father, and the other one's dead. So, so Joseph's like, okay, um, the next time that you come, um, bring, bring your brother with you. So they're, after a couple of years, famine still hits. They're out of food. They go back to Egypt. They bring Benjamin with them, the youngest. Um, and so if you, the, the importance of this is that uh, Abraham, oh wait, no, not Abraham, um, Jacob had two wives. Um, so, you had, so you had Leah, uh, Leah and, and Rachel. And so Rachel only had two children before she died, and that was Joseph and Benjamin. So when they brought Benjamin with them, you know, Joseph said, this is, this is basically saying this is my brother, not announcing it to them for he, because he, he still wanted to test them. But he throws them a big old party, and, and they all, like, eat, and, uh, and Benjamin gets more than everybody else. Um, but, the, but Joseph, knowing that he's the only true brother, um, threw a party. And so they, they, he sends them on their way with food until, until they realize that they didn't pay him. Well, Joseph would kind of put their money back on their cart so that they would have to come back. And so because of this injustice, Joseph kept Benjamin with him as they went to go get their father. They go back, they get their father, they bring them all to him. And, the, and finally, Joseph's dream is fulfilled as they all kneel, kneel before him. And, and Joseph's test kind of, kind of finishes as they didn't leave Benjamin behind. Instead, they came back for him. And so that wraps up Joseph's test. And once Joseph, Jacob comes before Joseph and kneels before him, um, he throws a big old party. He kind of announces, it's like, you know, the one who, whom you tried to kill... Here I am, is that I, can, I am now here with you. I didn't die. Instead, what, what, God intended, what, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And so he brings them all together, and they have a big family reunion. And finally, Joseph is reunited with his brothers. And so that, that kind of wraps up Joseph's reuniting with his family. And then the book ends with Jacob blessing his sons in the land in which God had promised them. So this Abrahamic promise, this blessing, is continued on onto his sons. And so, you know, Jacob doesn't live much longer after that. And in uh, chapter 49, he dies. Um, and so Joseph and his brothers go out to, to their land in which was promised to Abraham, and he, they, they bury him. And so the famine continues, and eventually um, they're, they're forced back into Egypt. And this kind of wraps up 
in, in chapter 50 um, as Joseph dies in, in verse 110. And the importance of them all being in Egypt is that what we're going to see in, in Exodus is, is where are they? We pick up right back where we are in Egypt, and that leads up into what we're going to talk about next week in Exodus. So the life of Joseph, Joseph is one of faithfulness and blessing, not only to him, but to all that he was around. To all those that he touched, all that was promised to Joseph came to pass, and all that Joseph did glorified God. And, and as I said uh, multiple times, in Genesis 50, 20, it says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The world was blessed because of Joseph's faithfulness. And in the same way, the same God wants to bless us. So God has called us each to something, and if we lose our character, if we lose sight of what God has called us to, then what, what, what will we do then? If we don't keep this character, this, this calling that God has for us, where are we? We're lost at sea without anything. And so through this, we, we'll mess up. It, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. We're sinful, and we all fall short of the glory of God. But God will lead us, and he's always going to be there for us. And God will protect us and uphold us with his righteous right hand and know that we can trust him with our lives, with our hearts, our minds. And all it takes is a little faith. I love the story of Joseph. Um, it's this beautiful representation, and it kind of wraps up this beautiful character that was promised um, in Genesis 3. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a big word. Don't check out on me. It is called the Proto-Evangelium. So the Proto-Evangelium is the promise that, that God made to Eve, saying that, you know, that you know you, the seed of the woman will come to crush the serpent's head, and you will bruise his heel. And so that's kind of the first promise that, that there is a Savior that even though you messed up, I'm going to save you guys. It's just going to take a little while. And so there's this big comparison between Joseph and Jesus. Is that Joseph was hated by his brothers because of his words, and Jesus was hated by others because of his words. Joseph was conspired against just as Jesus was conspired against. Joseph was stripped of his coat just as Jesus was. Joseph was betrayed just as Jesus was. Joseph was a servant just as Jesus was. Joseph was a blessing to others, just as Jesus was. Joseph was falsely accused, just as Jesus was. Joseph attended, attended, attempted no defense, just as Jesus didn't. Joseph was innocent and suffered silently, just as Jesus did. Joseph was numbered with the transgressors, just as Jesus was. Joseph was delivered from prison, just as Jesus was delivered from the grave. And Joseph was seated next to Pharaoh, just as Jesus is seated in heaven next to God the Father, and dominion and glory forever and ever. Amen. Through all, through all of this, through Joseph's life, God prepared him to bear this burden and to use his burden to save lives, just as Jesus was. Is that even then, Jesus is the greater Joseph. That Jesus creates this, this parallel of, of who is to come. So be ready, because he's going to be all of this and more. And he's going to be so much better and do so much more. So, as we move into this time, as we move into small group, is there something that you have gone through that can help someone else currently struggling with it? Thinking about, about my story as I was tempted and I was, I was 
kind of put into these, these doubts, is that now I feel as though I can, I can lead others to find truth in the word of God, is that I can, I can face these doubts head on and teach others to face them just as I did. What is something that you have gone through that can help someone else currently struggling with it? Would you guys pray with me? God, you are so good. And God, you are far too good to sinners like us. Lord, everything that you have promised has and will come to pass. And we can know that you have dominion and glory forever and ever. God, you have done so many, so many good works in our lives, Lord. You have blessed us with so much. Just the fact that we're all able to be here and worship freely in this church is a blessing. Lord, Osborne Church has been a blessing to this community and to this world. And so, Lord, as we, as we prepare the next generation to go boldly into the world, as we prepare them to, to think through this world and know that our lives are going to be so much harder than the lives before us, because, Lord, the, the world is wicked, and constantly we fall farther and farther away from you. So, Lord, through that, Lord, I pray that you would just, that you would make this, this generation bold, to boldly go out into the world and proclaim your name, that you would be lifted up among the nations, that your name would be known above any other name. And God, as we, as we move into small group, Lord, Lord, I pray for their conversations. I pray that, that you would be the, our primary topic, that, that through your servant Joseph, you created this, this image of Jesus who was to come. And Lord, we thank you for both of them, because without them, we wouldn't have the world as we know it today. So that without Jesus, we'd not, would, we would not be free from our sins. Lord, thank you for your son. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the grave and for raising him out of it. But Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.